Welcome back to Podcast 76 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Oddsbreakers. Follow us on social media slash The Oddsbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For a $250 sign-up bonus, please visit TheOddsbreakers.com. Click on Betfred, Terms, Conditions, and Locations. Apply if you'd like to support The Oddsbreakers to benefit from our premium plays. Please visit TheOddsbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our premium cappers. Get their premium plays before line moves. You can also support us on Patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit The Oddsbreakers and become a free picks and Telegram subscriber. We have a great show for you today. Brian Edwards, Vegas B. Edwards, is coming back to talk some college football for week eight. And we might even touch a little bit on UFC 294 because this is a massive event in Abu Dhabi this weekend. And we're going to actually focus on that with Gamlu tomorrow in our next show as well. So a massive loaded sports weekend. And the good news is that the UFC actually starts really early, 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern for the prelims. So you can watch little UFC nice and early before nighttime, get that done with, and uh, get it past your day. So I'm excited about that. And before Brian comes on, I'm going to go over some of the college football trends season to date. Well, away teams in general just win-loss, 31.4%, 153, 35-0. Uh, home teams, 335 and 153, 68.6%. That's not terribly off the mean. It's usually around maybe 65, 66% if I can remember properly. Uh, as far as favorites, 397 and 91 straight up, 81% if you're laying juice. This means if your average juice is less than minus 400, you're probably doing well. I don't know what the average juice on every single game is, but just wanted to throw that out there. 80% means minus 400. Dogs, 91, 397, and 0, 18.6%. Away favorites, 72.8%. Uh, away dogs, 15.3%. Home favorites, 84.7%. Home dogs, 27.2%. And these are all straight-up wins, not ATS. Obviously, it gets a lot closer when it comes to ATS. And that's why we have very sharp lines makers and markets across the betting platform. And I don't give too much credit to the lines makers. It's the market. The market adjusts the lines, as you know. Away teams against the spread, 50.9%. Home teams, 49.1%. So away teams have a little bit of a uh, bump there, about 0.9%. Not enough for profitability. Remember, you have to be 52.38% to be profitable. So home teams, 49.1%. Favorites, 50.3%. Dogs, 49.7%. Very close. Favorites are 239, 236, and 13. Dogs are the opposite, 236, 239, 13. But here's the kicker here. Away favorites, 69, 63, and 4. 
So there's going to be a lot less away favorites just due to the home field advantage in college football. Away dogs, 173, 170, and 9. So away favorites are 52.3% at 69, 63, and 4. That means home dogs are 69 or 63, 69, and 4, 47.7%. So I, I'm i more of a home dog better, you know, and that's maybe why I'm not having my best year in college football. I'm not having my worst year either. I'm just a little bit down. But that's interesting just to see that home dog, something I like to focus on, is down a lot this year home favorites 170 173 and 9 away dogs yeah 173 179 really close to 50 percent on both of those so over unders overs are 234 unders are 229 49.5 percent overtime games 13 for three 13 overs three unders it's like a blessing if you can hit an under when the game goes overtime doesn't happen too often only three times this year from the closing line and these are obviously from the closing line not where you can get your lines nice and early during the week uh all games would be a little bit over the over only because of the uh overtime games 247 to the over 232 to the under so that would be 51.6% to the over. And if you take away overtime, like I said, it's only 50.5%. These numbers are kind of going back and forth a little bit this week. So the market's been pretty sharp when it comes to these totals, in my opinion. What's this all mean? Nothing, really. (laughs) You just have to kind of analyze the data as it comes, you know. Um, Is 47.7% going to keep me away from home dogs? No. Not necessarily. I'm not trying to bet every home dog anyway. I'm trying to pick my spots. I'm trying to put my handicap into it. But it's nice to know and put reasoning behind what you're seeing this year. And I'll do this for the NFL, which is actually the totals are a lot a lot bigger when it comes to what we see here in college. There's a lot bigger of a difference in overs and unders, and we'll get into that in our show tomorrow that we will have Gam Lu on for. All right. Well, that's what we have so far through seven weeks of college football. I should say eight if you count week zero, but this is college football week eight, and we have a great handicapper coming on right now. Without further ado, Mr. Brian Edwards from Major Wager and Vegas Insider. Now I'm very excited. Welcome back. A great capper and longtime friend of the show. You've heard him on many sports radio broadcasts and podcasts across the land. You can find some of his work at VegasInsider.com and MajorWager.com. I'm very happy to welcome back Mr. Brian Edwards from Major Wager and Vegas Insider. You can follow him on Twitter, or X as we like to call it now, at VegasBEdwards. Brian, we have the heart of the football season now. Had you on before the season started. How the heck you doing, my friend? Doing well. Doing well. No complaints, except for your Badgers, who I... Uh... <laughs> Got a pretty substantial investment on to win the uh, Big Ten West. Now, just for giggles, and as a slight hedge, I did put just a touch on Iowa on, on the money line last week, just because I knew y'all would basically clinch it with a win. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm going to lose on that, I think, unless Iowa falls apart, which is very possible. They lost everybody. Iowa might not get 50 yards passing a game now that they lost their second tight end after today. And I I think a sprinkle on Minnesota's money line wouldn't be the worst idea coming up this weekend. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I 
try to warn everybody the Badgers aren't quite ready, and I didn't put any money on them uh, to win the Big Ten West. And um, there's it's just a situation with just too much change going on. And Mordecai was okay, but that defense is not as good as it was with Leonard. And I almost didn't put this damn profile picture on the background here, the Wisconsin Camp Randall, because I'm so pissed at him for losing that game because you know we still kind of control our own destiny in theory not not saying we would have won against the big three but you know it, it's just like just Wait, being still there right, right now no before i said before last weekend you know before last oh, weekend right, right. We, that's why i put a little bit on iowa money line yeah yeah well you know i mean i wish it was a bigger line uh you know that I mean the money line plus eight was that plus 300 or something maybe you got a little sprinkle on um not, not even i think it was like 270 or 280 yeah i mean it is what it is uh i i think wisconsin could be a play on team this week because that quarterback looked like crap but he's a freshman coming in, in a weird situation i think maybe they turn it around a little bit but illinois is real bad too and they got their revenge last year against us so that's gonna be an, another interesting game and yeah, it's like, uh, what can you do? We can't get over the hump yet. But uh, to be honest with you, I'm still optimistic on the hires. And, you know, it's uh, – we got, Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Fickle's going to be good, I think. We got all big tend. It's like uh, my handicap for the game, and I don't know why I didn't bet Iowa. I, I did because if Wisconsin scored, you know, that maybe Iowa doesn't score the whole game. But, like, it was 180-yard run. And the handicap was, it's going to be a field position game. They have the best punter in college sports. You know, he's better than NFL punters right now. You see that kid punt, it's ridiculous. And that's how they went. Oh, they yeah. punt and play defense. And it's like their defense will force turnovers. I said, if, I said, if the Badgers are equal in turnovers, they win by 10. If they're down in turnovers by one, they might win. If they're down two, they probably lose the game. And what happens? They're three to one turnover ratio. It's just the the way that Iowa plays ball and uh they lost Allen their first half of the game and then Mordecai in the second quarter and that was the end of Wisconsin but uh you know he he'll be maybe back for bowl season but all bets are off on Wisconsin most likely but let's talk about some happier things like uh <laughs> this week of college football there's some pretty big matches here and uh before we get to that I always like to ask my experts a few questions and you know, I guess I get a question for you, and it's a very general question. It's 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 a kind of a public question, but I, I'd like to ask you who you think the best conference in college football is. Now, you can use your own parameters because you can make arguments for a lot of things, but use your own parameters. What do you think right now today is the best conference? Oh, that's the easiest question you could ask me. It's the Pac-12, and there's no questions about it, and it's by far. I mean, we've known that since mid-September. For sure. The SEC is as bad as it's been in a long, long time. Long, long time. And certainly, I, I don't even think it's close. There's not a conference even close to the Pac-12 right now. I mean, I, I, I guess, I mean, maybe the SEC is not too terribly far behind. But the Big Ten, I know they're, you know, top head with, with Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. But like you were saying, everybody in the West has been a disappointment. I mean, Illinois uh until last week had been one of the nation's biggest appointments but that was a big win for them last week so um yeah it's pac 12 it's not even close i agree with you and if we can get rid of the big 10 west then it would be the big 10 but we can't get rid of the big 10 west it's part of it <laughs> you, know, you know it's like get kick them out of there yeah, I mean, it's, it's minnesota's awful this, yeah. it's bad and I mean, um i mean minnesota's awful too yeah, totally awful. And it's it's just ugly. Nebraska, Northwestern, come on. But here's the thing. Um, the sad thing. 
Would they take a one-loss Oregon over a one-loss Bama, even if they both make it in the seedings? No, they're not. They'd, they'd put a one-loss Georgia, one-loss Bama, uh, certainly ahead of uh, of Oregon right now, and that's just because well, now, of the are way you that... Say, are you, are, but hold on, hold on. Are you saying um, a one-loss Bama or Georgia that wins the SEC championship against a one-loss Oregon that doesn't win the Pac-12 championship? Or no, uh, Oregon would have to win, be the Pac-12 champ if they are only in one loss, right? I, I think I think so. I think they would. And I it, think that I think both would easily get in. I think both would easily get in. Right, right. I suppose. I suppose a, if a, let's a just say Michigan, Michigan runs the table. Oklahoma runs the table. You have an unbeat Oklahoma, unbeat Michigan. Uh, um, maybe you have Georgia and, with one loss and, and Bama and Bama, and Bama beats Georgia with one loss. Yeah, I, I almost think they might take Georgia and Bama and just kick the Pac-12 off just because that's the way they do things out there. But this is, you know, why we have a 12-game, hopefully why you have a 12-game, 12-team playoffs next year. But, you know, it's that's cool to watch. And the reason I ask that is because it's just going to be, that's the interesting part of a four-team playoff is like there's going to be a lot of fighting and arguing going on. You know, if these situations get close, and to be honest with you, Brian, it's looking like Bama might be a one-loss team. It's looking like Georgia might not have a loss until the SEC championship game. So that's why I ask it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get the question for sure. I'm just saying, um, well, first off, I'll say this. It may surprise. LSU is going to win the SEC. Woo! Okay. Well, they have two losses, Florida State and uh, that Ole Miss stinker just right at the end. Yeah. Uh, they, can, they control their own destiny in the SEC. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Maybe Ole Miss needs to lose. Um, yeah, I guess Ole Miss needs to lose, but that's all that LSU needs. Yeah, Ole Miss needs to lose. I have to look at one, their schedule. One, one of the losses is FSU non-conference. Okay. Do, do you have, like, a top four or five teams that you'd like to share? In what order? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so um, – to be honest, like I, I, there's really no separation in, in, in the top five. Um, it, like I, I mean, it's just a, a, a little group of teams, and it's hard, like I, I mean, I write down Georgia one and Michigan two every week, but I feel so stupid about it every week because neither one of them impresses me at all. I mean, Georgia has impressed me one time that pimp slap they gave Kentucky, but but they lose points on that with the way Missouri went into Lexington and and bashed them. So. Um, and Michigan just hasn't really played anybody yet. Let me see. Well, I'll get to their page real quick. So they've, um, I mean, who's the best team Michigan's played? You nobody. Know, no, they have no, played nobody. Absolutely. You know what? UNLV is the best team they've played. <laughs> UNLV is the best team they've played. <laughs> That's sad. Uh, maybe Rutgers. Hey, hey, I mean, shout out, Barry Odom. <laughs> you're doing a hell of a job. Well, Barry you can say you can almost say that about Penn State. West Virginia is the best team they played, it, but it's still. But here's the thing: they're covering the spreads. At least Penn State is, and, and that makes it so they're going above the power rated expectations, right? So um, even though Franklin likes to do that, we'll get into that game. But I, I have Michigan number one. I have Texas number two. And I'm I'm just looking from a power perspective. I don't care if Texas lost to Oklahoma. They they were like negative three in the turnover margin there, and it was that last drive, some kind of boneheaded coaching there. 
I, I think Texas is still a little bit better than Oklahoma, but I also have a very close too. I have Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, and Georgia, and and then Florida State's kind of, and Oklahoma's kind of right under that, and Bama's like right under them. It's not far, and then Penn State, Oregon, Notre Dame, Washington. So I think Penn, the Pac-12 as a whole is much better than everybody else, just because I have teams like Washington State and Oregon State, and now Arizona creeping up. You know, I have some of those teams ranked a little bit higher, but uh, yeah, it, it, I'm not impressed with the too much of the SEC. I, I guess maybe after a couple of weeks, it might straighten itself out. But USC's loss was definitely ugly to Notre Dame, and I was on Notre Dame, thank God, last week. Yeah, so here was my top 10 last week, and I started to update it um, uh, last night, and then I just got sidetracked because I had a bunch of live bets on Liberty. Oh, dear. <laughs> minus two and a oh, half. Oh, no, I saw the minus two yeah. and a half. I'm minus, like, I, I hope you didn't like, take minus seven and a half. No, I, I did minus three and a half before I did the two and a half. I, I did the minus three and a half, and, and then I think that was when Middle Tennessee – Oh no! I, I, then I think Liberty tied it twenty-eight, twenty-eight, and then Liberty got like that seventy-yard touchdown pass on the screen. Uh, but but anyhow, uh, so this is what I had last week, and I don't know that anybody really messed their ranking uh, up. But I, I'm like I'm I'm being dead serious when I say that. Like, there's basically no separation from any of these teams. So Georgia one, Michigan two, Texas three, Oklahoma four, Alabama five. Ohio State six, Washington seven, Oregon eight, Penn State nine, FSU ten. I, I think I think Washington's better than Ohio State now, so that's who I would bump Woo-hoo. up. I'd probably bump Washington up uh, ahead of, ahead of Alabama as well. So let's see. So that would be Washington uh, five. I, I don't need to downgrade Oregon. Penn State's probably. Uh, I think them and Ohio State are about the same. Um, and we'll find out this weekend, although, sure you know, it's a road game. Uh, I look, I love FSU's offense. I think their defense sucks. Uh, I love LSU's offense. I think their defense sucks. Same thing with USC. I mean, none of these, there's not a team out there that doesn't have warts and look, Oregon state can beat anybody. And I don't think anybody can go to Corvallis and win. And, uh, I guess we get to find out. Uh, I forget if it's Oregon or Washington that goes there in November. Here I go. We got Washington, Washington goes there. They, uh, they're home for the 18. Apple Cup against State, but they go to Oregon. They go to Corvallis, so that's that's difficult for Washington, and that's why yeah. or, Oregon should. Washington's not going to win there. I don't think so either. I'll be all over think, Oregon State, and I don't, I, think, I, I don't think anybody's winning there. No, probably not. It's a you know, it's funny. It's a smaller stadium, but it's got one of the greatest home field. Man, and it's really a shame that they don't have, they couldn't find a conference just based upon media numbers. It's kind of sick to think about. It's just media numbers is what they're looking for. You know, it's uh, it's sad. And I would, as a Big Ten fan, welcome them in. Uh, I think I, if they, if you're going to have two super conferences, then you know what are you going to what, what's stopping you? Just the media? I don't know. But you know that's me as a fan talking, not me as a businessman talking either. So I could be completely wrong about this whole sure. thing. You know. Well, hey man, uh, real quick before we get in the games, do you have a buy low or sell high team coming into week seven? Like it doesn't have to be for this week spread, but maybe it's one that's a little underrated, one that might be a little overrated that we can fade or bet on. Oh, that's. Good, good, good question. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, if I go to the Mac, that's going to be annoying for most of our listeners. No, it won't. No, it won't. <laughs> it will not, my friend. We we have plenty of matching going on at the odds breakers. <laughs> 
Go to the Mac. How the hell is Eastern? How the hell is East? How the hell is Eastern Michigan a double-digit underdog to Northern Illinois? Are you kidding me? They're, uh, Eastern Michigan is twenty-one, one and one against the spread. Their last twenty-three matches okay. road underdog. There you go. The underdog king, Chris Creighton, Eastern Michigan um, plus twelve and a half. Well, there We're you go. Buying the underdog king Eagles. We're buying them low. I love it, man. God, I even checked my number on that one yet. I didn't even there get to that game yet. Um, are you kidding me? I I have this closer to a pick'em. I, I have I have NIU like like minus one. What? Why? What, what's going yeah, on now, with this? Now, Kim, I'm embarrassed now, to say that. I'm embarrassed to tell now, you that. I, no. No, you no, no. That's what you want. You want to have a double digit different. But now the thing is, is Chris Creighton doesn't talk injuries. Like I, yeah. There's, I don't think I've ever seen an Eastern Michigan player listed on an injury report in the last because I've been betting them all the time for like six or seven years now, and so it scares me. It makes me think somebody's hurt. Is what it makes me think. And I think I do have one Eastern Michigan beat reporter on my Twitter following, and I think he tweets like twice a week. <laughs> he, he's such a disappointment. Hit him up, man. Hit him up. Let's bring him on. I've Come hit on. him up. He's never returned. He's, he's never replied. He's like, he's like these damn know. gambling addicts. I have, they go, the, the only thing I got is my popularity right here because of the situation with Chris Creighton not talking about injuries. He's like, this dude gets probably like 50 texts a day, my friend from us. <laughs> Oh, yep. hey, man, I don't care how many injuries he has. This is freaking a big spread. I'll be on it. So, no, there you go. Um, free pick off the bat. No, I love it. Um, yeah, My stupid, you know, whatever, I gave out Arizona is underrated, and I haven't bet them since. <laughs> They've been covering the spread, and I don't know why I haven't been betting them. I did that a few weeks back, and now I'm kind of looking for another one. That might be a little bit underrated right now, and uh, it, it's funny. I, I, I'd like to say Oregon State still because I think they're just as good as some of the top you know teams here, and uh, I think at home you bet them, and on the road you either stay away or fade. It's just one of those home road splits type teams, and I talked about your Gators about that. I said, except for last week, I said, I'm not fading them last week, but I, I just looked at the Gators, as, you know, especially when they went to Kentucky. I'm like, this is a team that – doesn't show up on the on the road and and there's a couple SEC teams like that and um, we'll be getting into that but uh, I'll, I'll stick with Oregon State I think they're they're tough and they're going to tough it out the rest of the season I think you'll find some value at home let's get on get on some- I was I was all over I was, sorry, I was real quick I was, I was all over the Gamecocks last week okay I was fine with losing that money because I knew whatever <laughs> I lost I was just getting it right back with Oregon State I, I knew that I knew I had that well, there sitting there with for me and actually i i got uh, because of the gamecocks i had loaded up on them so heavy that um i was down big saturday afternoon but then i went four and oh at night i had uh missouri kentucky over i had uh oregon state and i had the home favorites notre dame and north carolina nice so i I, the, the night the night session did me really right last week i went to bed when Boise State was leading like 30 to 15, I had the over 60 and a half. And then I wake up, it was uh, Boise State lost to Colorado State 31 to 30. I was like, yes, got it by a half point. Finally, finally on the right side of that. Uh, it's nice yeah, I, It's nice to wake up to that stuff. Yeah, I, I went back and was looking at how they rallied. And I was like, 
Are you kidding me? This is like Peyton Manning on Monday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he was with the Colts like 20 years ago. I mean, they were down, what, uh, with like five minutes left? They were down 30 to 14, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah something like that. It was a while ago. Less than five minutes, actually. Right, wasn't it? Holy cow. It was, um, yeah, I can't remember exactly how many minutes. I remember going to bed. Yeah, they, so they cut it. They, uh, well, they they scored with 153 left. And we're still losing. And then they scored on with like a few seconds left. Okay, so they must have had three timeouts and kicked it or got an onsider. So I I wish I could have went back and watched it. I didn't record that. But it is what it is. We were happy to cash that. And let's get into this week and see if there's any other games that we can cash on. Pittsburgh versus Wake Forest is the first one we're talking about. I wrote down minus one. I'm going to check out our uh, odds screen here. And see if it's even... Oh, I got to hit load more. I hate it when you got to hit load more. Jesus. Um, and see where that spread is. I, I know it moved down a little bit for Mr. Wake Forest. And uh, it's a game that I'm going to be on uh, just based on uh, the spot, my friend. You know, I mean, a lot of people are metrics-based. It's still minus one here at Betfred Odds. Total's 45.5. But this is a a spot play more than metric for, for me. This is... Clawson here uh, with a little little time here in this situation. I I think Pittsburgh's in a massive letdown spot after beating Louisville, you know, and they got, if you have to remember, they got outgained bad that game. And uh, what was it? Uh, 444 yards to 288, yet Pitt won 38 to 21. Now, I mean, I, I have this even... I have this closer to pick them from a numbers perspective, but you know how Pittsburgh, uh, they bench Phil Jerkovic and they put in Christian Vallejo, and he did okay, but it's not like he's lighting it up. He's got 45% completion percent, three to two touchdown to interception ratio. It was a big spot for them last week coming off the bye. Louisville just got done beating Notre Dame. And then of course they're going to lose this game. And I was on pit last week, plus eight and a little money line sprinkle. But the Deacons, you know, they, they rank 63rd in offensive success rate, 42nd on defense. Pittsburgh's 108th in offensive success rate. And I don't know if this quarterback's enough to get them, you know, kind of back into that, uh, you know, middle area. Um, they're be- they have the better defense right now. And I, Pittsburgh's always got a good defense. But um, Wake, Wake Forest can stop the run. And that's what I kind of like. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to be able to throw it. Wake Forest only allows 3.95 rushing yards per attempt so i'm kind of looking at the handicap via metrics it kind of favors wake forest a little bit and the spot itself i mean they come up and beat an undefeated louisville team conference feeling fat and happy even though they got gained by over 150 yards uh this is a big spot for dave clausen and i like clausen as a coach i'm taking wake forest minus one my friend yeah no i love clausen as a coach the a monster head coaching advantage uh, for Wake, I just I, I can't play it until I know what's up with Mitch Griffiths because uh, I know he had uh, you know been struggling and they they went to Kern and Kern uh, gets injured and is now out a couple weeks and Griffiths is injured and questionable. I, I don't know how uh, deep you've looked into that. He I'm, looks like I'm he's going to play. Real optimistic he's going to play. Yeah, okay. I, I got you. I, I'm very... I mean, I. I, I because, uh, yeah, because uh, I'm looking at the – I don't know if any of these other guys have ever even taken a collegiate snap. So, um, but, yeah, no, I agree. If 
if if Griffiths plays, uh, Wake Forest is definitely the play. Um, and uh, I, I will just say that, uh, you know, Wake Forest's offense has not struggled like this in a long time. Um, and But their defense hasn't been this good in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, if Griffiths is ready, I, I think um, – I mean, God, they, they held Clemson to 17. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they, uh, yeah, you know, I guess they haven't played that great. Even now that I look at some other, not teams, great. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, but I mean, their defense is usually just complete garbage. And you know, well, Pitt's uh, been Clemson playing horrible too. I, I thought that was except except yeah, last and week. Look, the under. Yeah, and I, and I don't know that the under is the way to go because now Wake Forest usually has totals in the upper fifties, low sixties. Now we're now we're talking mid forties. So uh, I don't know if the value is there on the under. The under has cashed in four straight uh, for Wake, but all those numbers were you know except for last week, which is forty eight and a half. The others were fifty three and a half or higher. But I, no, I agree. If Griffith if Griffiths is good to go health wise, uh, I think Wake Forest is a play. But because you know. Uh, he may not be at a hundred percent. I just don't know. I don't. I don't think I'll get involved. Well, he finished the game but against I don't Virginia with Tech. You're saying, yeah, he finished the game against Virginia Tech, I believe, when Kern got hurt, and so you know he got benched, but he finished the game. And Kern's stats wasn't exactly lighting it up either. You know, he did have 166 right. yards, 14 for 22. He wasn't. He wasn't doing it for me either, but, you know, a big spot for Griffiths to kind of reprove himself here. He's got a second life, and uh, uh, it's a spot play more than anything, but I I like it as one of my one of my better plays for the week here, just based upon that it, and the coaching advantage. It, and I'll just add, I, I think Pitt's uh, – unless I'm – I think Pitt's probably the biggest disappointment in the country. I mean, definitely the biggest disappointment in the ACC, at least to me. Well, hopefully my Badgers aren't the biggest disappointment in the country, but uh, Pitt's definitely a massive disappointment. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I think a lot of teams that were supposed to be mid- middle or bad or, or or the teams are supposed to be good are pretty good. You know, I mean, I, I'd have to relook at the preseason power ratings. Clemson's a big disappointment because they have two losses, but it's not like they're, you know, completely done. They're still winning games, you know, so. Right, I mean. Uh, I mean, I still think they can win a lot of football games, and they've got good teams like, you know, North Carolina uh, will have their hands full at Clemson. Notre Dame will have their hands full at Clemson, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, Clemson's still got some big games, and they're going to win a lot of them, I think. Michigan State's the biggest But, yeah, they are a disappointment. Michigan State's probably the biggest disappointment. Oh, I I had no expectation for them, though. <laughs> I, I thought Pitt was going to be I did bet they're under See, as well. And, and I think – I, I think Dracovic's the biggest disappointment in the country from an individual standpoint. I mean, I love that guy. His first year at BC, the COVID year, he was outstanding that year. And then he just went to hell in a handbasket the last couple of years. Now, it wasn't really all on him. He got hurt week two of 2021. And then last year's O-line was garbage. So, But we don't need to spend any more time talking about Dracovic or Pitt or Narduzzi. All right. Let's move on to South Carolina. They are going to Missouri here. Missouri's laying seven points. The total is 60. You picked this game. I'm wondering if you have a play on it. Uh, I've got two plays on it, but my Ooh. favorite one is the over. I got in early uh, in the week at 58 and a half, but I still like it at 60, which is where it was um, 
at last look and well i'll let you maybe if you're looking oh, yep 60 it's, it's my, 60 uh, minus right. seven and 60 you're correct okay cool so i made it 64 the over six and one Overall for Missouri, uh, hitting in five straight games. The combined scores for Mizzou in their last four games have been 59, 88, 59, and 61. And, um, you know, their defense has been a disappointment uh, to me, but their offense has been a big surprise. And I just, man, their receiver group is big time. Brady Cook is one of the bigger surprises to me in the SEC. 71.0 completion percentage, 2046. Passing yards, 14-3, TDINT ratio, four rushing touchdowns. Now, Luther Burden had his worst game by far, only two catches for 14 yards uh, last week, but he still got 56 receptions, 808 yards, five touchdowns. I would still say he's a first-team All-American right now. The running back, Cody Schrader, 648 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, 5.7 uh, yards per carry, and they're facing a South Carolina defense that's ranked dead last in America, 133 out of 133 FBS teams in pass defense, 124 in total defense, 108 in scoring D, giving up 31.3 points per game. The over is um, on a 7-2 and two run for the Gamecocks, dating back uh, to last year. Uh, and it's 4-1 uh, and one in its last five games. And those four overs have had combined scores of 80, 61, 67, and 68. And look, man, if you're having a combined score of 80 against my Gators, um, man, you are not playing any defense. No. And on the flip side, Spencer Rattler's playing terrific. Um, even without Juice Wells, who was first team all SEC last year, he basically hasn't played it all year. I mean, he played like two drives against Georgia, and he played a little bit against North Carolina, and he's already been ruled out again this week, and I don't even know if he's going to play the rest of the year. But uh, Rattler still 73.6 completion percentage, 1,724 passing yards, 11 to 4 TDI and T ratio. I don't even I don't know what his rushing yards would be if if they didn't subtract sacks like you know mm -hmm. they don't in the NFL. Even with all the sacks, and I I would. I'd bet 50 bucks it's at least 150 yards worth of sacks, if not 200. He, he's got 129 rushing yards and two touchdowns anyway. And Xavier Leggett is at a breakout year, 37 catches, 716 yards, and three touchdowns. So um, I think over uh, 60 is the play. But I'm also going to play Missouri uh, as well just for less. Um, and I got six and a half, but uh, I'm fine with it at seven. If it went to seven and a half, I would buy the half point to seven or, or pass. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily sense that South Carolina is going to lay down. But they have struggled with Missouri regardless. They've lost four in a row uh, in this rivalry. Three of those wins um, have been by seven or more, and uh, one was by seven, and then it was one by twenty. And there was one by 13. And, uh, you know, I just don't know where South Carolina's psyche is right now. And look, when they have left uh, Columbia, two road games, one neutral with Carol North Carolina and Charlotte, uh, and then they were at Tennessee at Georgia, they've lost those games by margins of 14, 10, and 21. So uh, give me the Missouri Tigers, but again, more for money management purposes on the over. All right, well, I kind of agree with you on the over here. It did get up, and I did miss a couple numbers on this one. 
But I actually at seven like the Gamecocks. And what's what's funny is this is a little spit of a spot for me too because, well, they, they did go to uh, Clemson at the end of the year last year, and they did get a road win uh, against Clemson. Of course, that was after the Big Tennessee win that they got last year. Um, but I, my thoughts is that Missouri. I mean, they're. I think they're overachieving a little bit. I saw that Kansas State win, and I lost a bet on that. But um, it was a 61-yard field goal. They had to tie it at the very end to get it. And, uh, you know, they're better than I thought. It's just a weird spot for them. I think, you know, they might look past uh, South Carolina a little bit. Now, I, I know they're going to the bye at least, and they don't have to face Georgia immediately. But you wonder if Georgia is on their minds a little bit. Um, South Carolina, I think, had the harder schedule so far. You know, um, who have they played? They played uh, obviously Florida. They played North Carolina. North Carolina, Tennessee, at, Georgia, at Georgia, at Tennessee, Florida, uh, North Carolina. I, I think that's a pretty hard schedule. And I'd say Missouri had a medium schedule. They obviously had that choke against LSU at home, and maybe, maybe they made up for that. Uh, I, I don't know. They're coming home here and probably want to do something from their home crowd. But, you know, I, I just I just think that the schedule is definitely harder. And South Carolina's dead evens in yards per play, even though they had those four really tough games out of the six that they played. So, uh, you know, it makes me think that South Carolina's a little bit above average. I think that Missouri's a good team. I think South Carolina's a little bit above average. Uh, Missouri's defense kind of sucks, like you said earlier. They, uh, they, they can definitely... Or, or sorry, they, they rank 105th in opponent explosive plays. So there's teams that actually get big plays against them. Of course, they kind of trade blows back and forth, and they get some uh, big plays. But uh, South Carolina's offense actually ranks 26 in this explosiveness. So it's kind of like they're a little bit higher in explosive plays themselves. And you, like you say, Spencer Rattler likes to find the big play with his legs or his arm, and I think they do enough to cover it. But uh, when you talk about an over situation, I, I like the over – from what your side is, Brian, and um, um, I would certainly. Uh, You're frozen for me, Kiev. Yeah, I, I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a little internet issue here. I I would definitely lean the over um, as well, but I'll take the side at the plus seven, Brian. Uh, and I think uh, we'll we'll just have a little disagreement on that one. Uh, you back here? Not a not a hard. Not a, yeah oh yeah yeah you were frozen there for a minute it's not a hard disagreement I, South Carolina's been a play on team for me all year I had them against North Carolina that was a loss I had them against uh, Mississippi State that was a win had them against Tennessee that was a loss um, had them last week that was a loss so wait I've gone one and three but I've been back in their overs I've had several of their overs uh, for winners. So no, I get it. I mean, they're and look now they now they've found a running back. I mean, they, Mario Anderson has been a uh, he's the D two transfer who's come alive uh, these last uh, three games. He's played um, extremely well. In fact, I had his stats jotted down on one of these pages. Um, yeah, here we go. He has uh, the last uh, three games. Uh, yeah, 26 for 88 yards and a touchdown, 10 carries, 101 yards for a touchdown, 20 carries, 98 yards against the Gators, had a, a touchdown catch. So last three games, 56 carries, 287, two touchdowns. So now they've found a running back. I love sucking on his offense. Uh, and imagine how good it would be if Juice Wells uh, was healthy. I just think their defense is absolute garbage, and I love Missouri's 
offense, and I just love their receivers going up against the worst pass defense. So I'm not implying it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be a close game for a while, lots of points. But over the course of 60 minutes, I think Mizzou will pull away and win by 10 to 14. But, yeah. Nothing wrong with us disagreeing a little bit. All right, fair enough, my man. My big play is the over. All right, baby, let's go over. And uh, maybe it lands at seven, who knows. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan State's plus 24 and a half. Total is 48. This is usually a big game, but Michigan State and Sparty is just so awful this year. And you know what's funny about this Mel Tucker? I was thinking about it. It's probably good that this happened to him because now there's lawsuits. He can say he said, she said. He's a a terrible coach. And it, it would have been more and more obvious how bad he is if he stayed at Michigan State and uh I can give a care what happens uh, there's lawsuits and I don't get involved in all that and uh we'll see what happens from that and now now D'Antonio's helping him out a little bit as a consultant and uh you know they jumped Rutgers last week but then they crapped the bed completely last week and they barely covered that spread at the end thank God to them being boneheaded with their timeouts uh Rutgers was at the 20 at first down uh and they called all their timeouts before two minutes and it just didn't do anything for them and then all they did was take knees now I'm not going to go through the stats it's stupid I I mean seriously 2.5 net yards per play advantage I know Michigan still hasn't played a lot of people but this is it's ridiculous to go through the stats they'll have a few fans there but this is mostly Sparty territory one thing I'm just going to say is that no matter how bad this matchup is for Sparty. You still have kids that are facing some kids that they played with in high school, they played against in high school, and they're they're taking this game seriously. They can care who's coaching them. Just because of that, it makes me lean to Sparty the first half. And you get 13 and a half right now. I'm gonna watch this spread. If this goes to a 14, I might have to sprinkle a little bit on Sparty in the first half. You know, that way you're gonna get all they got. Maybe even look towards the first quarter if you can get a seven and a half. But um, I would, I still wouldn't be surprised if this thing is gone by the end of the first quarter and they're up twenty one to nothing. Still, I mean, you're not going to be surprised. But it's just a spot where your your in state rivalry, one team just looks absolutely awful. Michigan's kind of been under the radar in the fa- well not I say I would say over the radar they were they're not playing anybody and they're just beating them up you know kind of like the Penn State phenomenon but I'm gonna give them a lean right now 13 and a half do you have anything on this game not this game I'll just say that Jimmy Sexton uh did his best work ever uh in hustling Sparty and making them think that LSU was interested in Mel Tucker and making them give him a 90 million dollar contract <laughs> and, and and look when I that, that that's uh, elite territory when I'm talking about Jimmy Sexton's best work as an agent. Uh, he's done. A, he's made a lot of people a lot, a lot of money. Uh, but no, that was his. That was his uh, Picasso, if you will. That was the greatest work he's ever done. And uh, Mel Tucker should be thanking him forever and always, even if he doesn't win his lawsuit and all that. Uh, the money he's already collected. Yeah, for sure. I, that was the biggest robbery since. Uh... <laughs> What, let me think. So, so, who, who's a bad contract? Uh, what's his name on the Washington Nationals since since that contract with that pitcher there? I forgot his name offhand, but yeah, he hasn't even pitched really since he's gotten paid two hundred fifty three million. Uh, Strasburg, that's it. Strasburg, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. Oh man, I've been out of baseball for ten years and I do that. <laughs> there, you, there you go. All right, well let's go, let's move on to another game that you picked: Clemson versus Miami. This is now down to three. 
The total is 48 and a half in this open three. And then it went to four and then went back to three. So, so I, I'm think, thinking there might be some disagreement between me and you on it, but I'm going to let you go first and uh, see if we line up or disagree. Well, look, on the side, um, I, I, um, I would lean Miami, but uh, I can't trust Cristobal, and I don't want to root, root for those dirtbags, so I'm not going to. But I do like the over. Um, as long as it's 49 or fewer, uh, a little while, like an hour ago, you could, there were 48 and a half out there. So, um, the overs three and two overall, uh, for, uh, the Canes, uh, 74 combined, uh, with the North Carolina game, uh, last week, 81 combined, uh, in the A&M game, Van Dyke throws for 391 and four touchdowns, albeit with two picks against the Tar Heels last week but he's having a, a a good bounce back year um 70.5 completion percentage uh 1721 passing yards 16 to 6 tdint ratio he's got two really good receivers and uh restrepo and uh J- jacoby george uh the canes are number seven nationally in total offense number 14 in passing yards number 13 in scoring 37 Point seven. Now I know they've had some lower scoring games, but that was you know mainly against you know G five and uh, FCS uh, competition. Um, as you know, they played Bethune Cookman, they played Miami of Ohio, uh, they played Temple, uh, and look, the Georgia Tech game was a low scoring game, and I know uh, Tech has had some higher scoring games. There were seven turnovers in that game combined, so that's what kept that. Uh, game from low scoring and, and speaking of Picasso's and masterpieces I tell you what man <laughs> I was on Stanford in 2018 when Mario Cristobal pulled that nonsense and I was not on Georgia Tech or or, or d- nor did I have any interest in that game but I was at a friend's house who had the triple tv set up and we I forget some game had just ended and we actually put the volume on right right as they fumbled uh, on when they should have been kneeling, uh, Cristobal. Oh my God, that guy. We wow. can't stop and talking about it. The audacity of him to <laughs> the audacity of him it's to insane. walk into that press conference and to not immediately say this one's on me and alleviate all his players from wrongdoing immediately shows what a moron and a coward that guy is. And and like he had the audacity to mention two hands and ball security about the running back fumbling. Like. Why is the running back fumbling? Because you've got him running the ball when you should be on a taking a knee. Victory formation is the goal of the game. That's the formation you want to be in. Victory formation. Am I wrong? So anyhow, I like the over. Um, it, that, it, it, I just had to comment on that. It, it was inexplicable and the biggest boneheaded moment that I've seen in a very long time. And I'm, I've seen a lot of boneheaded moments, but when you he did it before. When he was at Oregon too, it's like, you, if yeah, you, I had if you, Stanford that game. Yeah, I if, had it. If you have the win, you take a knee. Like, come on, I mean, there's yeah. no stat worth a one square. Now, if you're up by nine or more, I guess maybe, but still, no. I, I don't care. You don't. You don't know because right. they can onside kick. You just don't do it. So not even maybe. So as dumb as this guy is, let's go and bet on him. Um, <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I do lean. I, I, I lean my 
Miami. I just don't want to root for those dirtbags. Uh, and, and if Mario Cristobal costs me a win, I would just hate myself. I'm not I'm watching not this game. I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow this game on my phone while I'm watching three other games. But Miami's defense is just a little bit under Clemson right now. You've seen it in action. Um, maybe it's. I, I mean, they stopped AM really good, and you they've played some easy teams. But I think Clemson's played like Charleston Southern and some pretty FAU and some other easy teams themselves. And Clemson's got a great defense, but um, they don't have an offense, in my opinion. They don't have the T. Higgins and the Trevor Lawrences and and uh, Deshaun Watsons that they did in the past, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, guys like that. And um, Miami lost that game to four turnovers last week to zero with North Carolina. I mean, that's what happens to road teams most likely. But they almost equaled North Carolina in yards 480 to 500. They lost it in the third quarter being outscored 21 to zip. Then they outscored North Carolina in the fourth quarter. Miami's offense averages 7.33 yards per play, ranking seventh in the nation. Clemson is at 5.74, ranking in the middle. Tyler Van Dyke ranks 10th in QBR to Kate Klubnick, ranking 59th. Van Dyke was banged up a little bit, and this is why it went to four, and I was pissed. I took the early number at three. I'm like, how is this going on here? And it's it's obvious they should be playing now. I think this thing closes at two and a half, but Miami's got some playmakers. This shouldn't be a home dog at plus three. I have this game at Pick'em myself. I'm taking the three for 2.5 stars, my man. And uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Cristobal, but, I mean, after what happened, he has to. Clean, th- clean some things up. Yeah, and somebody just needs to tell him it's every game you go into a game with the one goal of being in victory formation at some point. So why not just when it's time to get in victory formation? Get in victory formation, homeboy. Mm-hmm. Army, Army LSU. That's, on that. that's that's fine. Army LSU minus thirty. Total fifty eight. Yeah, this is yeah, not- an interesting game to pick. Uh, I just here's all I'm going to say. You have the floor, my man. This is just a weird game to me. But if this was college basketball, I'd be all over Army because this is that situation dead in the middle of conference play. A team's thinking about winning their conference, and a team's thinking about winning their, uh, you know, getting in the playoffs or getting their seed, whatever, in the, obviously in the uh, NCAA tournament. I'd be all over Army in this position. But right now it's just weird because it's football, and LSU has two losses, and uh, you have, you might have something better than I do on it. Well, I'm just – it's just automatic play on the over until over loses for LSU. So uh, the over is 7-0 for LSU this year. It's on an 11-0 run uh, dating back to the last four games of last season, and it's on a 15-1 and roll in LSU's last uh, 16 games. And the only under in this 16-game stretch for LSU was at Arkansas last year when it was like – 12 degrees uh, with wind in the Ozarks, and K.J. Jefferson was out with an injury. So LSU's combined scores this year have been 69, 82, 55, which is the outlier and would you know be an under with this line, but then 65, 104, 88, and 60. And the 55, the lowest scoring game, was when they won 41 to 14 at Mississippi State. They were up 34 to 7 with three and a half minutes left in the third quarter, and they just hit the brakes offensively. They were just trying to kill clock and get on the airplane, without any injuries. And so that's why that game 
only had 55 or else it would have had more. LSU's second in the nation in total offense, third in scoring. They're averaging 45.3 points per game. Uh, number seven in passing yards, number 11 in rushing yards. But defensively, they're terrible. They're 112 uh, in total defense, 116 in pass defense, number 90 at defending the run, number 101 in scoring D. Their games are averaging combined scores of 75.6 points per game. I won't bore you with Jaden Daniels' stats, but they are nasty. So are uh, Logan Diggs' stats. Uh, he's third in the SEC in rushing yards. Malik Neighbors leads the nation in receiving yards. Um, now, Army's 20th in the nation in rushing yards. I, I am a, a slight concern because Army's quarterback got a little banged up last week, but there was a report yesterday that he's progressing and is hopeful to play. And they do have a um, their best receiver is listed as questionable uh, as well. But, um, again, this is just an automatic play. Let's see. How many of LSU's overs have I had this year? Um, I had it against the Knowles. Um, I, 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 don't, I can't remember if I had it against Arkansas. I had it against Ole Miss. Had it against Missouri. And I did not have it last week because I did not trust Auburn's offense. <laughs> um, so... I think I'm at least three and zero on it this year, maybe four and zero. I can't I can't remember if I had it against uh, Arkansas or not. But anyhow, um, yeah, I, I, and and this is their no, it's not their lowest total of the year, um, but it's one of the lower totals uh, of the year for them. Well, it's funny. I don't, I'm not even sure so if their over. defense can stop Army. So there you go. <laughs> Army Army's also no, has sneaky we, passes. They can pass the ball a little bit now. So. I yeah, interesting. yeah, and that's why I looked at that receiver. The receiver that's questionable. I looked at his stats. I was like, man, he had a lot of receiving yards for for Army uh, in mid October. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think you know only a week to prepare for this type of offense, and um, yeah, but I mean, I think LSU. I didn't even look at their team total, but um, I think they obviously get most of it. But yeah. I like it over. All right, my man. Well, let's get into some of the big dogs then. We have Tennessee versus Alabama, and Alabama's laying 8.5 points. Total is 49. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to – I'll go first. I'm going to play Alabama, and I'm playing because of a few different reasons. For one, I think that Tennessee has had a very easy strength of schedule. Um this is only their second true road game, you know. Their first, they got demolished by a Florida Gators team with a quarterback that you and I are both quite familiar with. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's the same thing. It's almost the same handicap, as I said, when I was talking about Florida, Tennessee. Florida's a home team. Tennessee is a home team. Both teams stink on the road. And don't think that Nick Saban has not been thinking about this revenge game for a year now. As a matter of fact, in some of his interviews, you can see a Tennessee logo sitting on his desk in this situation. Tennessee, like metrically, like looks like this should be close to pick them. They have a net yard per play advantage of 0.4. Uh, Alabama's numbers, though, are a little skewed from that doghouse Jalen Miro game when he was in the doghouse against a rainy University of South Florida game. when That was his ugly game. I, mean, I was watching it. I was hoping for an upset personally, but <laughs> either way. Sure. Of course you were. I mean, you could you tell. And, and, and they were ahead by uh, – they were beating Arkansas that first half. And you can tell they started looking a little ahead. 
in my opinion, to this Tennessee game. I think this this team's just been itching to play Tennessee in in Milrow on the or Joe Milton. I mean to say on the road is just a, a, a possible train wreck. You know what's funny about Tennessee? Last year they were number one in explosive plays. This year they're a hundred and seventh in explosive plays. Are they really? 107th in offensive explosiveness this year. And I have the, I have a stat. I can pull it up and share it here. It's pulled right from CFB data. But um, it's, I mean, I think that Saban could wipe the floor with the Vols this week. I think this is the game they've been waiting on. Texas, Texas A&M got beat, believe it or not, on the ground because they got, they're trying to be, uh, cover the receivers and, Somehow Tennessee was able to run the ball, but Alabama has one of the best run Ds, allowing only three yards per rush, ranking ninth in defensive rushing success rate. So they're not going to be able to move the ball, and I don't believe Joe Milton's going to be able to throw the ball. I think Alabama's defense has been keeping it in. Milrow's going to get a little confidence this game. What's wrong with taking Bama single digits, my man, over the last 10 years of what we've seen? Nothing, in my opinion. I'm taking a minus 8.5 for 2.5 stars. I hear you. Um, so I made the number seven. Oh, and by the way, the l- number was on the move a little while ago. Um, yeah, there's some books at nine. Caesars was nine and a half a couple hours ago, but it's back to nine. Um, yeah, I, look, I'm not saying I'm playing Tennessee. I'm not saying that by any means. Just based on my numbers, I would slightly uh, lean that way. But again, like you were saying. Um, it's eight and a half Tennessee at Fred here. Eight and a half and 48 and a half. So. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I, th- I think your your um, your comments on uh, the home away dichotomy for the Gators and the Vols is dead spot on. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't I don't know that I'll I'll be on this game. Um, and I think the totals a good number uh, as well. Um, where I would maybe get involved if if you know. If an in-game opportunity presents itself and and Tennessee like you know doesn't appear rattled and Milton is not like making mistakes and, and you know a plus fourteen-ish would 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 pop you know second quarter or so if Alabama was up seven or, or so I mean maybe I would think about that in other words I, I don't think I can get to the window on the Tennessee unless I'm getting double digits and I. You know, maybe maybe an in-game opportunity where you're getting 14. Now, on yeah. the flip side of that, if Tennessee were to get off to the good start and I could get Alabama at, like, minus three or fewer, like I did with Liberty last night, minus two and a half live, I would be all about that. So I'm probably going to be looking to bet this one live if something appeals to me. Um, but based on my numbers, I guess a slight lead into Tennessee, but I don't, I don't trust Tennessee on the road. Um, but I, I don't trust this Alabama team either. I uh, had them against Texas. That was obviously a dud. Um, and then I had Ole Miss against them, and I lost that. And then I have passed on them three weeks in a row. So let's see. Yeah, I'm 0-2 on Alabama games this year. And let me tell you something. That is not normal. Mm. I usually crush Alabama games. Yeah. Um, but but uh, it has not been good to me this year, and I, I don't have a great feel uh, on this one. All right, my man. Well, let's move on to – Maybe the biggest game, well, yeah, I, it is the biggest game of the weekend, Penn State versus Ohio State. And Ohio State is plus four, total 46.5. Both teams are undefeated. 
You know what's really funny is looking at these totals. Um, I mean, what would this Alabama-Tennessee total was in the, what, the high 60s, 70s? Now it's at 48 and a half. And, and you have Penn State, Ohio State. It looks like an NFL total at 46.5. I think a lot of teams are just kind of following what the Eagles are doing in both leagues and just kind of sitting on the ball a little bit, trying to get the win that way with the clock, which is very boring football. But um, it, it is what it is, and that's why the unders have been hot especially in the NFL. But, you know, we got a low total here in Ohio State's plus four. But I'm playing this game like I always do, Brian. I know I've had you on talking about this in the past, uh, this game. Uh, I'm doing the same thing. Penn State first half, Ohio State second half. And I'm betting them right away. But here's the reasons. Ohio State and Penn State. I'm sorry, say say that again. uh, How are you doing it? Penn State first half plus two and a half. And I'm even giving the play before I go in the cap. Ohio State second half minus one and a half because this kind of covers you a little bit. And of course, everything can go south, obviously. But I mean, the way I look at it is that Ohio State has not really been starting games great. You know, the first time they finally did was against Purdue here. But, um, you know, against Maryland, they didn't start well. Against Notre Dame, they didn't start all that well. There's, they, they don't seem to get going until the second half. And this is kind of how it's been with Penn State here. You know, I mean, metrically, these two teams are very similar, but Ohio State has a net yards per play advantage of 0.83. And Penn State, the reason that they look so good is because they've also played nobody. They've been beating not the children of the poor, the stepchildren of the poor. You know, when they played Iowa, Iowa got hurt that game. I think that was when McNamara and their uh, tight end got hurt. I think it was... It just spun out of control for them. And you know how Franklin is. He wants to put one on teams and bully them around. But whenever he steps up to the competition, when he plays a top 10 team, he loses. How can you bet him for the whole game against a top 10 team? Now, my power number has Ohio State minus 4.75. You know, I'm still higher on my power ratings. If I wasn't, I then I would have Ohio State minus three if I was equal. You know, I have Ohio State favored here. But I just think it's a great spot to play it this way because if I'm right about this, you're not only going get, to get the plus two and a half. If they're tied at halftime, you win, right? If they're tied, there's no ties at the end of the game. You get plus two and a half. Let's say Penn State's up by a touchdown. Ohio State's going to be laying minus six and a half in the second half. Right now, you can bet Ohio State's second half minus one and a half. So you don't have to worry about that. And if you think Ohio State's going to win anyway, they you assume that maybe they're going to outscore Penn State in the second half anyway. So I like taking it now. Like plenty of books offer the second half bet at DraftKings, at uh, FanDuel, at, at many books. So um, I just think that Penn State is a better starter, and they'll kind of get things going. And Ohio State kind of feels things out a little bit. And you can even see with the coach there, Ryan Day. He seems to be a really good adjustment coach at the half, and he seems to get the kids in position to win the game uh, for the second half. Now, guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming are the kind of guys that maybe can beat Penn State's uh, cornerbacks, especially when they tire out a little bit. I think that Ohio State has the the defense this year, and it's not being talked about enough. Ohio State's defense that could slow down Penn State's run game with their two stud running backs. And I think they're going to know what to look for. These two coaches know each other. You know, that's why you see the low total. They know how to stop each other. Um, My number, like I said, is four and a half, but I just like the way I'm betting it. I'm taking the two and a half for a little bit more in the first half and a little bit less. I'll take Ohio State 
for for example, one and a half stars in the second half. Take Penn State for two stars plus two and a half for the first half. So that's the way I'm playing it. It's been working out over the years, and uh, uh, I'm going to have some fun watching this one. So let me let me get this straight. So pre-game, mm-hmm. and maybe this is just because you've got uh, gambling legal in Arizona, you get a second half line pre-game? Because like, I get like a quarter, like third quarter, fourth quarter you can bet pre-game. I, I don't, I'm don't. i not familiar with being able to bet the second half pre-game. Absolutely. You can do that, huh? Absolutely. Okay. I don't have that option. I've never even, I didn't, yeah. I mean, obviously I bet a lot of second halves at <laughs> halftime, like during halftime. But yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know. I don't have that option. I've got three different accounts and I feel like they let me share my screen. Let me, let me share my screen. Uh, Now, now, unfortunately I did bet this and I don't know why they changed it. Well, who knows? Uh, Ohio state's now plus money minus three and a half in the second half. So (laughs) I got a pretty good line there, I guess. Uh, I would take Ohio state minus two and a half in the, in the second half. So just let you know, I got one and a half plus three and a half in the second half. Uh, yeah, Penn State's plus three. Penn State is plus two and a half, minus one hundred eight. I got it at minus one hundred two on DraftKings earlier, and earlier today I took them at minus one and a half uh, for minus one ten. So now this moved up, and they now I don't know. Maybe I have enough followers, buddy. But Penn State doesn't. Ohio State, the DraftKings didn't like that so much, so they moved it to three and a half plus one hundred two. But this will move around, and you can get it out of their books. But you can see, you can bet the spread of the second half right okay. now yeah. here at DraftKings and other books, and that's the way I love playing this game. Right now, I would purpose, I would find a two and a half or less. Uh, personally, just because three points are kind of key, and, and you don't have to win the game by three. You have to win the second half by the one, by the one and a half or two and a half that you bet, right? So Penn State's sure. up by three. The live number on the second half is going to be Ohio State minus five and a half because the spread's four and a half already. So you know that the the second half is not going to be as good if Penn State's winning. If it's even, I'm guessing uh, Ohio State would be minus three, for example, win by three points because it's such a key number. So. Uh, you know, just forecasting what happens during these games. Uh, I love betting this way. And if you can find some books that offers this, I highly recommend it, Brian. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I have any that are, I mean, I obviously I could go to like, I got a three hour drive to Biloxi, Mississippi in a pretty cool sports book, but I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'm gonna make that drive this weekend, but um, you know, Penn state has covered, this is crazy. I mean, they're 13 and 0 ATS in the last 13, but you know, I, I get it. He has not, Franklin has not been very good, um, you know, against highly ranked teams. And um, they pay him a lot of money. It's time to win one. And this is as good an opportunity as he's had in a long time. Um, I don't think I'm going to have a play in this game. If I had to play it pregame, I would play the over. I mean, you look at their uh, recent head-to-head scores. So they had 75 combined last year, 57 the year before that. Uh, and then they had 63 the year before that. Um, and I see, uh, did you say 46 and a half earlier? Cause I see 40, a lot of books at 45 and a half now. Let me hit. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, um, it might've went down even a little bit more. I have to do a weather check here, but, uh, it's an early game. It's a 9 a.m. game, 45 and a half now. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll quick get a weather update here on this game. Um, 
coverage is pretty good about well, it. I go deeper usually on weather.gov. Uh, 12.3 miles per hour winds. Uh, chance of rain, 39%. It's not enough. Uh, it's not, that's enough. not enough to impact no, a, no. A, an overplay. Not, not at, at all. all. In not fact, at all. It, 45, 45 is a key number, so if it, it gets there, maybe, maybe I would think about a small play on the over. But, yeah, I just want to watch this one. And maybe something develops in-game. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a, a strong opinion. And like you said, I mean, just – uh, Penn State really hasn't played anybody now. To their credit, they've covered all of them. They've dominated, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I think we find out a lot more about Penn State and the and the young quarterback who has, to his credit, not um, ever been <laughs> intercepted in college football. I mean, I know it's only his second year, but uh, good on him. Good on him, man. Second year of uh, modest playing, I guess. Sean Clifford somehow was drafted in the NFL, and uh, if you can explain that to me, I – would love to hear why the hell that happened, but uh, <laughs> either way, uh, this is getting. I'm so happy this is early because I'm. I like getting the big game down with early and all that emotion, especially if you're betting on it. You know, I'm kind of glad that this one is uh, going to be a nice early game for us. You know, they they don't want these night games no more because it's so hard to play in Happy Valley with a whiteout, man. And th- these two teams kind of like screw you. I'm done at that. We're just playing this game at nine, and you're you're seeing more and more of that in these big games, Brian. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, if it's a big rivalry game, I, I hate it. Well, I live in, well, you live Pacific time. Oh, wait, you're Mount, are you Mountain time? I'm, I'm Pacific until November, then I'm Mountain because the rest of the United States can't figure out that daylight saving time is an absolute farce and needs to be uh, eliminated immediately. Yeah, so I'm Central. So whenever they change the time uh, here in what, what I guess in the next, like, three weeks or so yeah it starts getting dark at like 4 45 p.m here <laughs> <laughs> it's 5 30 like almost now i mean here's the thing we also uh when it's mountain time it's a little different but uh yeah when we're on pacific time you know it gets dark quicker here so it's just it's funny because we shouldn't be and that's a shitty thing if let's just say they got rid of daily saving time they'd stick us on mountain time vegas would stay western west time but we would be screwed on mountain time and i hate mountain time because we we'll with denver that's the only major city that's mountain time it's kind of like we're the weird ones i'm constantly adjusting my calendar back and forth for all that stuff so uh, I, I, I won't complain too much that the rest of the United States does it because I enjoy being on Pacific time, watching my early games, going to bed at a, a, the grand old time of midnight for my Colorado State versus Colorado game, right? So I'm okay with that, my man. Uh, yeah, but like in general, no, I don't like the noon Eastern games, and I really hated when Florida and FSU would play at noon Eastern, and we, we don't really play at noon much anymore, thank goodness. And I hate that Michigan-Ohio State's always at noon. Uh, just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I, I don't mind having a big bet on a, a noon game, but like if it's my Gators or, or just a, a monster game, I, I, I just rather be, and you know, we SEC folks are, are accustomed to the three thirty Eastern yeah. uh, kick, but I'm not against night games either. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, night games are more exciting, but it's also gives you a little extra, Stress, especially if it's your team. You know, it's one sure. of those situations. Uh, well, hey, let's real quick, let's do some hodgepodge. Uh, why don't you pick a game um, coming up this weekend? I, you know, I'll throw out Washington State, Oregon. You know, my numbers don't have Oregon favored by 20. But is this that spot where Oregon gets it right and Washington State just had that crapper loss against Arizona last week? I guess I have to check the injury report. I don't know what the hell happened there. I didn't get to rewatch that game or anything. I just did not have the time. But uh, that, that was just... 
another situation I missed out on with Arizona. You know, the spread was seven and a half. I'm like, I mean, Washington State uh, is is a really good team because I was kind of high on them too. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting much on the injury. Just their tight ends a little banged up. But um, I, I don't have twenty. I probably have this at like fourteen or something. I mean, it, yeah. I, now go ahead. I, I, no, I I agree, but I'm I, I've got. Um... I've got the Washington State Arizona game uh, DVR uh, Pac-12 and 60, and I, I do I'll, I'll check it out tonight and just um, see what I'm missing. Now I know Arizona's good, and by the way, that that backup quarterback uh, Fafita. Wow, how yeah, yeah, how impressive is that kid been? He's better than Deloren, you know. I mean, that, I was about to say Delora, you, you take your time getting better, bud. You have lost your job, and, and Delora's not bad i mean he's pretty good but uh this this kid is killing it well they would have beat mississippi state without the five to zero turnover ratio right of course they should have beat mississippi state and um and god they should have beat usc as well or could have certainly could have um but uh yeah um i i think the number's too high but i want to go watch uh what happened uh to wazoo last week because that score was a little concerning. Let me know uh, when you let like, me know when you do. Text me. Shoot me a text. I'm curious I'll, what your I'll thoughts text you are. What I think going I, this thing going up to twenty I, uh, is uh it, 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 it's like you think it's a big get up spot, but it's also a tough spot for them to be big favorites after such a an exhausting game of coaching failures. I had Oregon plus three and I was furious that I lost that. Um I was like, Are you serious? Uh landing, not kicking the field goals early and then all of a sudden, you're playing for a field. We remember another team that played for a field goal. They named Ohio State in the playoffs last year. How'd that work out? College teams shouldn't be playing for field goals. You do not let your field goal kicker decide if you're going to tie the game. You go for the touchdown, especially when Washington's defense has been giving you the receiving yards the whole single game. I think these coaches are just getting worse and worse. And I feel like I'm just a negative Nancy or Nathan like Feels on like Twitter every week because I just have to call it out. I'm just like, what are these? Like, mm-hmm. I, I we're mean, all doing it. They're so bad. Yeah. They get paid millions of dollars if they don't have any idea what they're doing. Yeah. None. None. It's crazy. It might be worse in the NFL than it is in college. How scary is that? Uh, it's 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 insane to me, and it makes me like, holy cow. Um, uh, the interview process must be quite uh, simple in some of these situations. If you these some of these jokers are getting jobs, look at the Bears' defensive coordinator. I don't even know if he did anything all summer. And he abruptly quits, and there's weird allegations. And the team's lying about it constantly, lying to our faces. They they've always lied to us, the Bears the organization. But I mean, this is just <laughs> absolutely it, 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 insane to me. You know, I don't know how this happens. Um, no, uh, so for, well, did you tell me to throw out another game? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you throw out one more, and then I'll ask you quickly can about UFC. Can I um? Can I go NFL with the one I'm throwing? Yeah, out? throw it out. Yeah, let's go. Well, actually, I'll just go two, but I'll keep it real quick. Um, so let's go under forty on Saints Jags, and it doesn't matter to me if I mean, obviously, Trevor doesn't play. All the better. Uh, but the unders on. On a 12 and 0 run for New Orleans, 15 and 1 in its last 16. Their six combined scores this year: 33, 34, 35 twice, 37 and 31. And then uh, the combined scores uh, from the last six of last year to get it to 12 and 0 were 17, 
30, 27, 39, 33, and 13. The only uh, the last over November 20th of 2022 was a a, a 27 uh, to 20 game, and um, and then to get to 15 and one the 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 three before that Rams game that went over were 30, 40, and 24, and um, yes, yeah, so I'm on the under there, and the Saints have got um, issues some O line. O-line injuries. Ram checks in. out. Yeah. Ram checks out, dude. It was just it was just reported about an hour ago that Ram check is out. I think Lawrence yep. plays, but he, but you know it's it's not the greatest spot for the Jaguars. It's a bad spot for the Jaguars. I, I, I also oh, Her, yeah. Hurst is out. They said here, um, as well. So I got to look into that. But uh, it, yeah, Ram checks their best uh, player. And then um. And Andrews Pete, another starter on New Orleans O line, is questionable, so we'll see on him. Um, but the other player is going to be Tampa Bay minus three uh, against the Falcons. The Falcons have left Atlanta twice uh, this year, and, and they got they lost by fourteen uh, both times. And Atlanta is zero and five ATS uh, last five. And I know Baker Mayfield's a little banged up, but. Uh, I got no problem with that. My man Kyle Trask, and that's not my just my gatorness. I, I think Kyle <laughs> Trask is ready to ball out. Uh, he's been ready to ball out his whole life. If, if every time they give him a chance, he just balls out. Do you think that's he's gonna he play? Does. Is he gonna play? Well, I just saw May, Mayfield's questionable. So I mean, I don't know. It's yeah. his hand. It's a hand injury. I think it's his throwing hand. No, no it's, I'm not a, it's his. I'm not, it's his left non-throwing hand contusion. But oh, he, there's always okay. an excuse for this guy if he has a bad game. In my opinion, um, I you know I don't know. I I, I wonder. I drafted Trask in a dynasty fantasy draft like a couple years ago, and I he hasn't gotten anywhere. And I was I finally dropped him just because I'm like you're gonna let Baker Mayfield beat you out. Then and you played in the NFL for two years. Forget about it. You know I had to drop him, but I, I'm wondering why he hasn't won the job. You know, well, I mean, I'm one of the same thing. I thought he played great in the preseason. Every time they were showing film on Twitter of, of them throwing practice throws, Trask's throws were a lot better. I, I think they made a decision. Well, first off, Todd Bowles is an idiot. But oh, yeah. second off, I, I think they had it in their mind. Let's go with a veteran because he'll be easier to, easier to yank. If it doesn't go well, whereas if you if you yank Trask, but whatever the case, if Trask gets in, I think he'll play well. But more than anything, we're just fading the Falcons. Arthur Smith is the worst coach in the NFL. I mean, last week Atlanta had um, where is it in my right? Oh, here it is. Uh, Four hundred two to one ninety three advantage in total offense, twenty five to thirteen advantage in first downs, and this idiot goes for it when they cut it to eight. And uh, these analytic people drive me crazy. I'm just like, hey, I got all your analytics between my ears. And guess what? You're still wrong. Uh, (laughs) I'm pissed. I was on the Falcons last week, and they outgained by over double the yards, and they don't even sniff the money line I had. What Uh, the hell was that? I I am very upset with that. Now, I don't let my emotions control my bets for the next week. I have to remember that the reasons why I did bet on them. But – um, well, don't bet. Don't bet the Falcons this week. I not. I'm not. I was looking. Okay, I was. Good. I was looking towards Tampa Bay, but ba- I mean Baker looked awful too. And um, you know, I don't. It was unexplainable. He was just missing his guys by ten yards. I was like, 
Baker, Evans you was wide open. Godwin was wide open. What are you doing, dude? It's like you can easily get back in this game and cover my freaking spread, buddy. You know, I think I had three and a half. I mean, it was just – oh, no, I also – I think I teased him too. It was just a bad, bad game for me. And, um, you know, it's just it was just unexplainable how bad this guy was last week. I'm like, Baker, Jesus. Oh, yeah. I had, I had some live bets on the Falcons that, you know, plus four and a half, plus – yeah. Six. Yeah. Yeah. Losses. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, Arthur hey. Arthur Smith's so bad. I can't wait for him to get fired, but I'm I'm not confident it'll be anytime soon because he is committing uh, coaching malpractice by not getting Kyle Pitts twelve yeah. to fifteen targets. Oh, you. Game. It's, it's you utter we. I hear that from you every week, my man, and I agree with you. But I, I it's one of those things that uh, you know he was a Gator and you love him, and I agree he's better than uh, you know John who I, I, It's like. But why are you focusing on Johnny? Get it to Pitts. He's big. He can't miss. He's fast. It's get the ball to Pitts. What are you doing? And and you got Drake. He's unstoppable. It, if you throw it to him, and, and when you want to force, if you want to force feed him, like George has been doing Bowers before the injury, which that's why I mean I don't like Georgia, but I think Carson Beck is an absolute stud because at crunch time he just force feeds that guy. Right. If you're gonna force feed him, Desmond Ritter, throw it high. He will go up and get it. Like whenever he throws it to him in double coverage, he's like throwing like sinker balls into the dirt. I'm just like, God, he will go up over any DB in the league, period. End of story. And and that's it. Just throw it up. Yeah, throw it anyway. up. Grab it. Jeez. All right. Well, hey, real quick, we got a minute. Any UFC two ninety four thoughts. I mean, this this event turned into like from a kind of like a uh, to like one of the greatest because you have Usman now fighting Kamzat. And now you have uh, the rematch with Volkanovski you know, versus Islam, man. I mean, it's 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 like, are you serious? And this is early, buddy. The fights start at 7 a.m. The main event starts at, main card starts at 10 a.m. Pacific time, you know, 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 Central. I mean, nice little wake-up call, my friend. Yeah, no doubt. So I'm fired up. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I still want to go watch a bunch of the media stuff, which started at like, 1 a.m. Or, or my time last night, and I was about to watch some of it. I was like, no, come on, I gotta go to bed. But uh, I, I still need to, I haven't decided on any plays. I, all I'll say is that A, I'm way more excited about the new fights than the previous matchups, way more excited. And that just hat tip and thumbs up to all four guys for taking these matchups, yeah. one on 11 days' notice, another on 10. Now, I think Volkanovski's got a much better chance to pull the upset. Uh, I, and I, I take that back. I, I I saw a lot. I haven't bet it yet, but I saw a lot. I might put a little bit on, not a lot, but maybe just a little little baby play on uh, Volk at plus 500 to win by decision. I do think that one goes the distance. But and Abu Dhabi? Uh, you know, and that and that's the problem. You know what's in Abu Dhabi. It's the same religion that... Uh, the two Kamza <laughs> and and Islam. It's like sure, and that worries me. And that's and here's the thing. I think these are the two opponents that are the best equipped to beat them. Even though it's technically in the higher weight class, not the welterweight, but the middleweight for both of these guys, because Usman and Kamza Kamza just got too strong and he can't, can't make middleweight no more, or can't make welterweight no more, yeah. right? So he's a middleweight guy now, and Usman comes off the couch he's middleweight right now and i just feel like strickland and izzy would be beaten by at least kamzat maybe uzman as well you know it's like i i just think that i i would have bet 
Kamzat versus Strickland. I would have bet Kamzat versus Izzy, but man, this Usman scares me a little bit because he's a tough MFer and he knows how to hold people against the cage. But is he as strong as Kamzat? I don't know. And that's why Kamzat's a massive favorite here. But why are you doing being this big of a massive favorite when there's three rounds of decision? It's like it's three rounds. I'm thinking all, I'm going to bet all uh, uh, Muslim fighters by decision because you're in Abu Dhabi here and there's just a lot of situations where I can see them siding on that side and uh, there's all kinds of trouble going right now in the Middle East. It's just, I, I, I'm not saying that, I, I'm not saying that I'm blindly doing anything, but I, I mean, I'm leaning in that direction, Brian. Yeah, no, I, I, and I hear that and I don't think I'd put a lot of thought in that and so I will take that to heart and again i wasn't talking about throwing a lot it was a plus 500 uh bet but um in america i might be betting volk i, I mean seriously right yeah yeah no no i think there's probably probably is something to what you're uh talking about like i i don't i don't bet anything by decision when they pl have fights in texas uh but the last thing i'll say on chemayev um uh, he i think he's eventually gonna be the light heavyweight champion too I think, I, I think he's eventually going to go up 205 in the next five years. And he'll oh. be the champion there as well. That's how much I think of this guy. He is a monster. He's a psychopath, man. I'm going to share a video. <laughs> that video you sent me, I'm going to share that, baby. That is ridiculous. Especially for Halloween. It's kind of like one of those, woo. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. I, I, I would not want to go against. But what I will say is he, when he finally stepped up in competition, uh, he didn't look so good. And a lot of people were saying that he wasn't, necessarily the big winner of that fight and people say that about islam versus volk too um in that first uh fight that they had but um when Kamzat fought gilbert burns he got beat up he got bloodied it was the first time you kind of saw the champions cut the champions cut what was that rocky or something um it, it was yeah. uh it, it's it's almost Drago, like Drago, Rocky, Drago, uh, yeah, four, yeah he's cut and this thing happened when he fought gilbert burns and then he's look at his wins you're like Jing Lang Lee, okay. Uh, Gerald Mearshart, Rise McGee, uh, John Phillips. I mean, he didn't beat a lot of guys, you know? Uh, these, that's literally his UFC career. Then Kevin Holland's a stick, you know? He's like, he, he's tough and he's good against some, but, you know, he's not going to beat up Kamzat. And Kamzat beat him up, put him in the choke quickly. But Gilbert Burns, or I mean, sorry, uh, Gilbert Burns and Kamara Usman do not get taken down. I mean, his his takedown defense is 97%, and Kamzat's, of course, is 100%. I mean, so that makes me think Kamzat, by decision, is the value if you're not betting Usman to knock his ass out. So I just, I mean, there's just a lot of ways to look at it. Usman's 100% takedown defense will 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 end in round one, I believe. Okay, I, I, okay. I, I, think, I think that's a safe bet. Well, I also will say I, that I believe that the welterweight was a weak division, and it was top-heavy with Usman before it. You had Covington there, right? And uh, Leon Edwards finally got his opportunity. I was on Leon Edwards the uh, first fight and the second fight. But um, it's just one of those. Oh, that had to be, that had to be a, a that had to be a fun knockout for you uh, if you were on Edwards that night. It was. It freaking was. It was about a year ago, uh, that first one. And um, the next one went to a majority decision, really. Um, and that was actually in England, too. So, I mean, we can go on for a while talking about it. But this is going to be exciting, Brian. And I I'm excited. to I After this podcast is over, I'm going to dig deep into the UFC, my friend. Yeah, I'm about to go to YouTube and watch a bunch of the. I'm definitely going to watch Chimaev's entire media scrum uh, 
uh, like right when I get off with you. That's good. Sure. It's going to be a hell of a watch, my man. Well, great stuff. Where could our listeners and viewers get your great information and plays for the weekend? Uh, well, you've already mentioned it. So my picks are um, at VegasInsider.com. Um, my Twitter right there at VegasBEdwards. Now, there, I do have a new um, gig I'm doing. I'm now an analyst for um, this company called Southeastern 14. It's basically just a YouTube channel. And uh, I do a gambling show with my buddy Jay Greason uh, every Thursday. It's called Bets and Ball Games with Edwards and Greason. Uh, it should be out sometime tomorrow night, if not first first thing Friday morning and uh, you know we break down all the uh, SEC games and, and I give our nine SEC picks and um, they can find that at Southeastern 14's YouTube channel or, or they can follow uh, on Twitter at uh, 1-4-Southeastern it's uh, daily SEC football and basketball content not that I do baseball but even some college baseball in the late spring and uh, early summer so uh, once again, Kiev, man, enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, I hope good luck this weekend. I hope we uh, both uh, kill it. It should be a great weekend, especially with that uh, sweet UFC card. Oh, it's going to be a fun weekend, Brian. I hope you kill it as well. Let's do it. Uh, make sure you guys check out Brian at Vegas B. Edwards. We'll be texted, Brian. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by this season. For the best contests in all sports, please visit www.thesn.com slash OB. Play for thousands of dollars with thousands of people across the country. All right, let's get into it. Sharp money on college football as of Wednesday, 2.41 p.m. Pacific. Sharp money on Rutgers, minus four to minus five at Indiana, 77 77- 70% of the tickets, 89% of the money. Charmaine Old Miss minus three to minus 5.5 at Auburn. 89% of the tickets, 98% of the money. Charmaine LSU hosting Army, 26.5 uh, to minus 30. 48% of the tickets and 87% of the money. Sharp money on Duke, plus 15 to plus 13.5 at Florida State. 45% of the tickets, 86% of the money. And Sharp money in Arizona State, plus 30 to plus 26.5 at Washington. 85% of the tickets and 96% of the money. Sharp totals, Penn State versus Ohio State, under 51 to 45.5. 82% of the tickets, 98% of the money. Sharp money in Air Force versus Navy, under 41.5 to 37.5. 60% of the tickets and 75% of the money. Sharp money in South Carolina versus Missouri, over 54.5 to 60. 93% of the tickets and 99% of the money. Sharp money in Army versus LSU, over 56.5 to 58. 47% of the tickets and 91% of the money. All Brian Edwards plays those last two. And Duke versus Florida State, under Sharp money, 51.5 down to 48.5, 26% of the tickets, and 73% of the money. Okay, for a little recap, we are going Wake Forest, minus one for three stars. South Carolina, plus seven for two stars. Uh, Miami, plus three for 2.5 stars. Alabama, minus 8.5 for 2.5 stars. And we're going to do Penn State first half, plus two and a half for two stars. And Ohio State second half, minus one and a half to minus two and a half. Try to find it. For 1.5 stars. Unfortunately, that moved on me after I made the play. All right, that is it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at the Odds Breakers. Tomorrow we have Gam Lu on for two of UFC 294 at 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific for any YouTube followers. Enjoy all the games and go get some winners.